Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo. Today, I'm so honored to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. He is E.T. Milligan, and the winning book is titled Past the Line. E.T. Milligan is an accomplished speaker, author, and award-winning poet. A native of Leesville, Louisiana, he earned a bachelor's degree in news journalism from Northwestern State University in 1981 while being commissioned as a second lieutenant in the U.S. Army. He served in various capacities stateside and abroad before retiring from the military in 2004 at the rank of lieutenant colonel. And after retirement, he continued serving the nation as a Department of Defense contractor and presently as a DOD civilian staff member. Now as a published author, E.T. has six print books, including a fiction detective series, a biographical novel promoting organ donor awareness, a young adult fiction promoting self-esteem in adolescence, and a book of poetry. He is the recipient of two National Poetry Awards, the International Pen Award and Poet of Merit, and the Editor's Preference Award. His inspirational poem, titled I'll Never Die, has been engaged by over 150,000 readers on social media, shared over 11,000 times, and translated into 10 languages. His poetry has been published in nine national poetry anthologies, and as you can see, we have lots to find out, so let's get started. Welcome to the network, E.T. Thank you, Pat. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you for wanting to be here. We've got so much goodies to dig into, but before we do, let me formally, in person here, say congratulations on winning the Firebird Book Award. Well, thank you very much, Pat. I really appreciate it. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for entering. Before we dig into your award-winning book, I'm kind of um, interested here in your book, Promoting Organ Donor Awareness. Can you just give us a little peek into that? Yes, that was inspired by the uh, the death of my uh, first wife back in 1990, uh, waiting on a organ transplant. Uh, the book is currently not in circulation, but I'm planning on doing a rewrite of the story to uh, uh, to get it back out to the public. Uh, it was a tragic event that I tried that I turned into an inspirational story to try to help uh, the awareness of organ donation and transplantation. And it also inspired and was uh, therapeutic for me as I uh, took my grief journey uh, toward recovery and to continue on writing and being uh, and, and inspired by, uh, you know, things that were happening, taking adversities in my life and, uh, and being inspired to make something good out of them. Oh, I'm so happy I asked you that question because that answer is a beautiful answer. Because so often when bad things happen to us, we can go down with that. And I myself found through a horrible experience with my mom in the hospital that as I was going down with it, I thought, you know what, I need to get this out of me. And I started writing and it turned into a book, which turned into speaking events and radio. And so you never know where that journey is going to take you, but you've got to take that first step. And I think writing just to get that grief out of you and onto paper is the first step. Absolutely. I would encourage everybody to to think about expressing their emotions and their feelings through their writing and going through the process naturally. Uh, and they work kind of in tandem together. And that's what it worked well for me. And I congratulate you too for your, you know, for, for your success this, despite your adversity and the journey that you've uh, taken. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I think uh, we're testaments to people that when, when it gets rough, um, don't give up. 
there's nuggets and kernels and wisdom to be found, but we've just got to uh, take that first step, and I do think writing helps. Thank you for sharing that. All right, let's get into good things. The Firebird winning book is titled Past the Line, the Blake Cutter Detective Series, of which there are three books, yes? Yes, uh, book one, uh, which won the award. Uh, I'm very honored and grateful uh, Past the Line. Uh, book number two is Forbidden Rescue, and book three is entitled Remember the Sabbath. And all three books have been published, and they're part of the series, and really inspired by uh, two things, the Star Wars trilogy, uh, and also I was inspired by uh, reading detective stories when I grew up uh, in Louisiana as a young, as a young lad, uh, the Executioner series by Don Pendleton. So those are two kind of the spark plugs into uh, writing this, this detective series. And I'm planning a book four. I was, <laughs> you, you anticipated my question. I was wondering if you could stop at three. Yeah, I think uh, book four will be uh, probably the same main protagonist, but it'll be a different storyline, not a continuation of the of the of the plot for the three books, but it continues with some of the same characters throughout. Yeah. That's the plan. You know, once those characters get under your skin and become friends and family, it's hard to get rid of them. Yes, they uh, they sort of take on a life of their own, <laughs> and uh, some of those characters are kind of a reflection of people that I've met, or you know, or your idealisms that come along as you go in life. And, and they do, as I said, they do take on a life of their own. And you find that you, you can't really divorce yourself from, <laughs> from them because they become real, in a sense, uh, in your writing. And they become a part of your family, a part of how you would like to see people interpret the world. In some ways, it's bad things happen. In some ways, good things happen. And sometimes they do bad things and other times they do good things. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it just takes on a life of its own. And, and I found that after my plan was after book three, I was going to stop, uh, and come up with another ideal, but ideal, but I just couldn't. And here I am writing, starting on book four. <laughs> I love that. I had a conversation with somebody once who's he said at the dinner table, he and his wife and his children talk about his characters as if they were real people. So we decided that uh, one day he was going to surprise everybody and actually set the dinner table to include place settings for his characters. Oh, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's next level, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. All righty. Well, Maybe give us a peek inside this book so that our listeners have an idea of what they can expect. Book one, Past the Line, the Blake Cutter Detective Series. Well, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's sort of a police drama, but it's also a, it's multidimensional. It's a love story. It's a drama. And it, it profiles a, a detective who has a meltdown after his, the death of his wife. And basically, uh, his wife is killed in a car bomb intended for him, right? His moment of joy and of, and of accomplishment, tragedy strikes with a uh, car bomb. And it's a, a criminal organization that he's been investigating for a long time. I don't want to get too much into it to give the plot away. But he basically falls in love uh, accidentally with a seductive lady who's sort of a doppelganger or striking resemblance of his wife. And she is tied in with the mob, with the with the organization, the criminal organization. And it becomes an issue of how does he continue to investigate the case as he finds out that she is involved, and as he's also trying to uh, get close to the to the organization to take them down. How can he keep himself from going past the line of integrity 
uh, in compromising himself as he as he tries to unravel this mystery uh, as a detective, and and at the same time in his own recovery. So it's a multi-dimensional uh, phases of life that are going on within the story that eventually merge together. You had me in this book right at the very beginning. I was just so excited, and he was winning these awards, and he was going to have a nice evening with his wife, and she forgot her purse, and I'm like, darn it. That just, <laughs> that ruined everything, didn't it? <laughs> well, that's that's sort of how fate has it. You know, I think that things happen by fate, both good and bad, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's why I try to take a, I guess, a um, kind of a midway approach or kind of a midstream approach to life because you never know when something good is happening, is it a sign of something more negative to come that you have to deal with or whether something bad is happening is a is a precept of something good that's about to happen. So I try to create that imagery in the story and that that type of uh, uh, metaphors within it and to depict the story in that way. And I think you do a great job with that. And just speaking with you right now for these few minutes, you get that feeling about you that you can take something that's negative and see the positive and build on that. So congratulations for continuing that message subtly throughout your writing. Thank you. Yes. Uh, and, and I think with book two and three, it, it, uh, even though, you know, I'll just say that I tried to, I kind of model the uh, Star Wars trilogy, you know, book one, it's sort of character development. Characters are intertwined with each other, uh, have a reason to be there, have the reason to exist. They, uh, they have different plots, different parts of the plot. And so they saw, so they, so you kind of build those relationships, although there's some action, uh, events that happen within the book. Then book two gets into a lot more action, uh, gets understanding why these things occur. And book three becomes an international entry as he continues on to try on his main goal, which is to try to, find avenge his, his wife's death. Mm-hmm. Why did you decide to write these? What was there a moment where you said, I think I need to put some of these thoughts on paper? I'll go back to my, you know, a, a lot of the motivation, as I mentioned before, came from reading the Don Pendleton uh, detective uh, uh, series, the Executioner series. Mm-hmm. And I think what happened with this series was I was, watching a lot of crime shows, FBI shows, CSI, that type of thing. You get a lot of ideals deals from that. And um, I just thought about conflict, you know, and I thought about uh, characters and, and what would happen if somebody had to jeopardize their career uh, and their livelihood for pursuit of justice. And, you know, and of course, being in the military, one of the things that uh, we put ethics and standards above all you know, and that was a, a kind of a precept to me writing it. So one night, uh, I was, I just got the idea. I didn't know, it's kind of, I didn't really know, uh, how I was going to start the book. I really knew how I was going to end the, 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 uh, the, the books, but I, this particular book, the first one passed the line, but so it started writing backwards. So I knew what I wanted to happen, but it was back, going back reverse process to say, how do you really want this whole, whole thing to start? And that was kind of the building block toward uh, writing. And I think different writers have different styles. Sometimes you have an event and you say, well, how can I make this event happen? But then as I saw the characters become real, it just kind of took on a life of its own, so it all came together. So this started really about the first ideals were about 10 years ago with this book. Book uh, book one took several years, and then book two and three, I pretty much had an ideal of what I wanted to write uh, to have a gut-wrenching story, a fast-paced action uh, drama. Uh, to the end. So that was really the start point about probably about 
10 years ago with the first book. To say that you start from the end and work forward, and some people write chronologically, and some people have spreadsheets, and they've got everything plotted out. It's just interesting to hear all the different ways that writers approach uh, their craft. Yeah, for me, I um, I like to I like to take a break. I'll write a scene, and uh, I'll step away, and I I kind of like the instincts to to take over and just be have, you know get yourself calm. And, uh, and just wait to see if it develops in your mind. And, and cause I feel like it's, it's a matter of faith. And with faith, uh, if you're, if you're destined to be a writer, which I think most people are in some form or fashion, uh, it will come to you. It's a matter of faith and patience. And that's, that was my style. I didn't really write chronologically. I had a general ideal in my mind what I wanted to happen, but I would, I would step away from it, write a poem or do something work related or had something some mission that I had to go on with my military job and then I would base in the store it would come on so I would pick up the at the start out of course with a with a pen and paper then went to you know to the basic computers now you do a lot with your laptop and sometimes even on your smartphone you know uh sometime at a pharmacy sometime uh in the uh waiting and waiting in line somewhere and the ideals would just happen so that's so it was really no real set strategy that I use is I think it made me a better writer by basically just letting things happen naturally yes. and not putting a timetable on it. But I think to everybody, they have to find their own way of what works best for them. For sure. Absolutely. Yep. And I'm guessing that your characters drive you and maybe sometimes take a life of their own and lead you. Yes. Um, uh, with Blake Cutter, it, it's sort of, he's, He's sort of a reflection on me, and I think a lot of writers, uh, they may not realize it, uh, but a lot of your writing develops from with your inner soul, from who you are. And so I personally have a drive to always get to the truth, get to finding out uh, where something in my life is going. Uh, and I think with, with Blake Cutter, he, despite all the, the setbacks within book one and, and the challenges he had, he continued to pursue that ultimate goal, which was to find justice for his wife's murder. And and that was kind of the precept of how that all came about. Do you find that some characters uh, seem to flow easier than others? Are there some that you have a rough time getting out of you? Um, it works both ways. You know, with uh, with the protagonist, Blake Cutter and, and Penelope Lane, uh, it came naturally uh, because it was sort of what I imagined and envisioned would happen in a in a uh, sort of a forbidden relationship where there were other characters like the criminal characters that are in here. I basically had to do research. It didn't come so naturally. I did the research. I learned a lot about, you know, I had to go into some, I had to go research some seedy places to find details. Of, uh, and I would use that information to build the back, backdrops, build the scenes, and build the characterizations uh you know, from what I what I wanted, how I pictured though the imagery in my mind of what that person looked like, what they wore, what they would say, how they would react to scenes, and so that would take time, and and and, it, and that was the time when I really had to step away a lot more than what I did with my main character, the two main characters in the story, uh, uh, spending more time waiting on researching and waiting on how do I put this all together. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Huh. Thinking about researching seedy places, you imagine if somebody is following your um, your footprints online to see what is this guy looking at, what is he doing? 
Recently. Well, that was yeah, and that that was really a challenge because you know I'm I'm sort of a conservative, yes. uh, low key standards <laughs> guy. But I said you know uh, writing you have to make the characters real. It's fiction, but in a way it has to be real. It, uh, it's, it's it's sort of a dichotomy in how you look at things, but you have to make it real. So so in order to do that, I had to say okay, where are the places as <laughs> I as I captured, I had a scene uh, in my mind. And I, I couldn't physically go there. I had to say to myself, uh, research and find out what's there. You know, how do, how do, how do people exist in those relationships? How do they get into relationships? And, and creating, you know, conflicts in your feelings and where, you know, a lot of times people get into these situations where, uh, they have no choice or they feel like they have no choice or things just happen and we all become critical of that. But at the same time, we never know what would happen to us if our life took a certain journey. So I think I was able to create conflicts where for a certain part of the story, you would feel angry. And I kind of, I, I saw that a lot in James Patterson's books that I, that I'm a big fan of James Patterson. That's one of the authors that I, that I read a lot from, uh, where I would be, uh, uh, you know, upset or, or have negative feelings about that character, but then all of a sudden you feel empathetic or sympathetic about him. And that's what I tried to create throughout, uh, throughout the story. Mm-hmm. You know, as you're talking about reading favorite authors and you're reading Patterson, I'm wondering, do authors read other books and enjoy the read? Or do they read the book almost as a research project, looking to figure out how that was done and why that might be done and how I can use bits and pieces? For me, I started out, it was enjoyment from the beginning as a, you know, in my teenage uh, years uh, growing up in Louisiana. And it was sort of, uh, kind of in the country, uh, I guess on the, in the outskirts of town, uh, you know, and it was summertime, nothing really to do. And that, my favorite thing was waiting on two things, the newspaper to be thrown in the yard. I'm giving away my age now, mm-hmm. but also, you know, waiting on that paperback that I'd ordered, uh, for the, to, to arrive. And that was really the, the thrill of enjoyment that got me to, uh, to back to school, to fall for back to, to school. But then as I got to writing, and, re- and realized that what I wanted to write was fast action crime stories uh, with mystery plus kind of a multitude of different uh, genres. Uh, I found myself researching more uh, scenes and stuff, and I wanted to make it my own, but I also wanted, I wanted the reader to be able to look and say, okay, I can imagine being there. Uh, it's similar to something that I've seen, but it's not the same. And that's what I would do with the stories. I wanted to uh, basically create characters that were real, uh, get away out of myself, out of my own soul, and create characters that are real, but also to have the reader see there's some realism in it so they could picture, they could say, yes, I can believe that would happen, happen. but I was very surprised by that ending or how that turned out. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining being in the military, in the, in the Department of Defense, you, you met all kinds of characters, literally. So in writing your characters, do you find yourself pulling parts and pieces from people you know? You know, actually, I, I have to say that, that I basically compartmentalize my job. You know, in the military, you're totally dedicated to troop leading. You know, I get I get commissioned and in my early 20s. I'm now in charge of a uh, small organization, a small troop of soldiers you have to learn everything about. But I didn't really want to cross over into their lives, into my story. So when I left work or I came back from a mission, uh, I basically compartmentalized that and, and my spare time 
at 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night or on, or a little bit on the weekends was for me to create their own characters differently than what I mm-hmm. have seen. So, so for me, I basically, it all came from imagination and from, I think the sources were, were sometimes dreams. Uh, there were sources that were, I would get ideas from movies. There were, uh, newspaper articles, sometimes from the obituaries, but I never really, uh, brought the military into that, into that story because I wanted to always stay away from any potential conflict of interest. And I'll tell you the one temptation one time when I was really tempted to do that, I had an individual that I knew real well and, and she said, you know what, I'm afraid that if I, uh, tell you more about myself or if I act the way that I really want to act, I'm going to end up in one of your books. So I said, well, no, okay, well, I just, I have to turn that decision around. And, and at that point, I was no looking back. I wasn't going to uh, mix in uh, the people that I had experiences with in my military experiences versus my private life. <laughs> That's true. That could be dangerous. <laughs> Oh, I love that. All righty. So, you know, you, you've got this kind of hard-hitting book, and then yet on the other side, you have uh, published a book of poems, a poetry book, Images of Life, which um, that gives you a nice balance. Yes. I, uh, you know, that was initially inspired uh, by the death of my wife. I had written uh, several poems that I basically just kind of you know, just keepsake items that I basically had stowed away and just kept it very personal. You know, most poets, a lot of poets are very personal with their writing, don't like to disclose their writing too much unless they get a big break. And when this situation happened, that was the time I, I had to really, I found, I found that I didn't really understand life. You know, when, you, when you're with a person and all of a sudden, you know, they're a corpse and, and they're in a funeral home and they're lifeless, and, you know, you start looking at, okay, what am I, I don't, all of a sudden, I don't even know what life is. So at that point, I started looking at all the images of life, nature, the environment, people, humanity, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what life is all about when it's going to end. In this case, the person's life ended at 31 years old. Wow. Uh, and that's when I, uh, so then I, I would pay attention to everything that was going on that was, that was tied to the imagery of, that, that exists around us. And that gave me the idea was that I didn't want to write just so piped into one particular area, but examine life all. And, and what it did was it, it actually helped me to enjoy life uh, more, to slow down, to really enjoy nature. I never hiked before, before that. Uh, and, and, and to get out and really, um, to really enjoy life and see it. And so, so then you would see the, the connection between nature and humans mm-hmm. and how we exist and how, and, and on, on this planet. And that's what I tried to do within the writing was to try to personalize my connections that I was seeing with nature into stories and make it visual for people with just about every poem having a message. Sometimes it was a political message. Sometimes it was a message about a theoretical message. Sometimes it was a spiritual message. But get different messages out by seeing the connection of nature and us. And I think we can learn a little bit from nature by releasing ourselves and just asking, what am I missing or how I can feel better? And do I talk to plants? I don't have really plants in my house, but I believe that 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 does occur. I believe that you can get a lot of spirituality and a lot of inspiration from nature and the things around you that in the hustle and bustle of daily life, we rarely uh, pay attention to. Oh, yes, yes. What a period of growth and how beautiful that you were able to discover that. I go out and talk to this massive cottonwood tree every morning, so I always hope nobody (laughs) nobody can see me. They'll think I'm... 
not quite right, but we have fine conversations every morning before I start the day. So I get that. So if you wouldn't mind, you have one inspirational poem titled I'll Never Die, the one that's really been uh, seen and engaged with all over, uh, the one translated into 10 languages as well. If you wouldn't mind, I think our listeners would just probably relish if you would read that for us. Oh, uh, certainly. Thank you very much for the opportunity. So this is entitled I'll Never Die, um, and I'll read you can strip me of my wishes. You can take away my dreams. You can thirst me of the waters by contaminating streams. You can rob me of my riches till I'm homeless, bare, and wry. But unless you pierce my fighting heart and how, I'll never die. You can blind me of my vision till my life appears in a jam. You can even ridicule me of everything I am. You can fill me with such anger that I barely strain to cry. But unless you take away my soul and how, I'll never die. You can regulate my learning till my ignorance is bliss. Confine me of my freedom till captivity's remiss. Deplete my cultivations of resources which I rely. But unless you disembowel my will and how, I'll never die. You can take what I consider gold and tarnish it into rust, disease my body tissue, and cast it back to dust. Expire life as swiftly as the blinking of an eye. But unless you take me from my God, and how, I'll never die. E.T. Milligan, you are an inspiration. Thank you for sharing. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Wow, that's so beautiful. Did this all come out at once? Uh, it, it came over the course of about three or four weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you the story. Uh, about a month after she passed, Linda Marie, uh, I was at a gym. I was in the military. I was a captain. I was at a gymnasium standing outside, and I was really just, you know, devastated and, and really worn down physically, you know, just from, I guess, uh, the, I guess the predecessor to PTSD or maybe it was PTSD then, but it, it just felt worn down. But at that time, uh, something hit me and something said, you know, I can't live the rest of my life like this. I've got to do something about it. And that's when the inspiration hit me. And, and so over the course of two or three, uh, weeks, it just became a powerful feeling. I, everything I said that was happening bad is again, it's that conflict that goes on where bad things can really inspire change, can inspire something good. I just had the ideals to write. And when I finished the poem, uh, it basically helped me to be inspired to go on. And I thought about, you know, uh, there are a lot of people around the world that will, that because of the unequal distribution of resources in the world and, and lands that are not, uh, equal in their ability to sustain, uh, economies and people and, co and, and that type of thing, I, felt like I could give something to people that would inspire them. And I said, this is a feeling, you know, everybody goes through grief. Everybody goes through recovery. Everybody has to find inspiration. And if it can touch my neighbor or a friend who I shared it with first, then it can touch anybody. It's not a concept where somebody has to like a certain genre, fiction or mysteries or humanities or, or non-inspirational uh, stories. 
they, we all have those feelings because we're all the same in that way. We all have to go through those processes. It, it makes us equal. It makes us all the same. And we all have to go through that process. And I said, if it will touch one person, it could touch everybody because I think there's not a soul on this earth that doesn't have some challenge that they have to go through that you can't throw money at or that, uh, that, that you have to work through in order to sustain yourself until your body heals and your spirit heals and you go on. And that was my inspiration for sharing it. So I said, you know what? I'm connected with everybody in the world. We're all the same. I think we have something like eight point something billion people in the world. And what makes us all the same is that if you puncture the skin of everybody at the same time, whether they are a child, a adolescent, an elderly person, a athlete, a preacher, uh, whatever, we're all going to bleed the same uh, red blood. So I felt like this would uh, help unite people into um, to seeing that there's something that we can do for each other that we, if we can't get the resources, the physical resources, it will hold us on until we can find a way to recover. So that was the whole idea. It took on, it became something that was no longer personal for me, but something that's probably my most proudest work that I can share with the world that will be timeless and from, and as long as mankind is on this earth, they can, they can use a lot utilize the poem and that writing and those words to inspire them to uh, to sustain themselves. So it's all about sustainment in times of tragedy and and, and, uh, and also perseverance. Oh, you are a lovely soul. Thank you so much. This is just so inspiring and, you know, way beyond uh, a, a, a typical conversation about somebody's book. This just takes us to another level. There's just so much inspiration here, so much opportunity through adversity to grow as a human and then share with others. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling blessed by this conversation. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I'm so honored with your comments. Yes. All right, my friend, are we missing anything that you wanted to highlight today as we begin to wrap up? Um, the only other thing that I'll mention is um, not to try to promote the books, but uh, the other aspect that I want to make a difference uh, uh, in my writing is, uh, you know, uh, why, why youth adult youth books. Uh, I wrote The Looking Glass Self, and uh, and the title of the book is Seeing Yourself as Others See You. Uh, so in the earlier point of your life, you, you basically are very concerned with how people see you and getting and being open to their feedback as you go through different experiences in life. And so I took that story, a kind of a fun-loving uh, story about a high school football player and his uh, going through teenage angst and those type of things, but he gets the help of a ghost of his grandfather that comes back to life and help him understand the adversity he goes through and see himself as others see him until he gets to an age where basically, as you can see now, as you get older, you're less concerned with how people see you because you have a lot of the competencies and skills in order to, to, uh, to make it on your own without people's opinions, although you, you know, you certainly don't want to break the law, but you want to basically go your own and basically develop your own uh, sense of how you want to accomplish things and how you and, and build your own inspiration. So that was a that was another aspect. And I think what happens is when you open yourself up and you say, okay, I want to make a difference. I want to sort of the old phrase that we use in the military, be all you can be. Uh, you don't limit yourself. So one of the things that I was the driving force in me is I didn't want to be typecast or or stovepipe as an African American historical writer of, of of slavery of that. I wanted to write to where okay, my writing can reach anybody at any time, regardless of what ethnicity or 
or gender or whatever that they are that they could be inspired by. So, uh, and once I did that, probably in my early 30s, uh, that allowed me to basically venture into different writings and, and looking to be a jack of all trades and sort of a master of none. But that, but, uh, at the epitaph, uh, and at the end for me is that, okay, he made a difference. He was dependable and he wrote something that is timeless. You know, and as I listen back to, Oh gosh, I, this morning I woke up, woke up hearing a song by Bobby Joe Gentry and I said, wow, you know, we're, we're connected to those people from a long time ago and they're, they're long gone in the physical sense, but their spirit is still here and they're still making a difference and they're still, their, their writing or their music is transcending space and time. And I think that was probably the most beautiful things that you can have happen to you. So that's kind of the, the uh, mission that I have the rest of my life is not to, you know, to basically, if I concentrated, I want to be famous or whatever, I'd have to stovepipe myself in one area. Instead, I've chosen that I want to be uh, ambassador of all mankind and to basically have write different things that come to me and not limit myself and not stovepipe myself in any area. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the final, I guess, the last piece of it, uh, if you that that I'm I'm about as a person. Oh, I love this. Yes, you have that young adult fiction that promotes self-esteem and and you're so right as as young people everyone's concerned about how others see you, but at the end it's really about how others feel you. Very well said. Yeah, I feel you and I appreciate you. Thank you. ET Milligan, please share all contact information how folks can find out more about you. We we need more and where they can get copies of all of your very very important and inspirational books. Okay, well, thank you. Well, the books are on uh, Amazon.com. The best way to to quickly get access to the detective series is to go to Google and just search the Blake Cutter Detective Series, three book series, and the three books will come up, and then you can order the books, or you can download the ebook, or you can order uh, and purchase the book in paperback and hardcover. Also have audio book version that's coming out uh, with book one, Pass the Line, in a few weeks. And later on, I'll have book two, three, and four on audio books. And that's the best way you can get the book. Also, uh, I have a website uh, at, at www.etmilliganpublishing.com uh, where I have a lot of information. Uh, I'll be starting a blog to, to basically talk about topics, some of the, um, I guess, advice that I have, you know, what makes a good story, where do you get those novel ideals, quote, novel ideals from, just some, just some inspiration from how I got ideals to write. So those are probably the two main sources that you can get information on me. And, and of course, uh, you can always uh, read uh, people who are writing can always call me. My telephone number is on my website uh, and my email address. And they can contact me at any time. And I say to all, in my last minute, I say to all writers, just don't, just don't limit yourself. Just write. You know, just write. Uh, don't try to make a finished product. Just write. And then you can always edit later. You can edit two or three, four times. Uh, but just write. Write what you feel. And feel what you write. Oh. oh my gosh, you are so special. This is very meaningful for me today. And I know that everyone listening is just going to be surprised to hear way more than the sneak peek into your book and come away with it feeling so inspired. The website, etmilliganpublishing.com. E.T. Milligan, the title of the book that won the Firebird here is titled Past the Line. Three books in the Blake Cutter Detective series. You can get it at Amazon and at his website, etmilliganpublishing.com. I really have no words to thank you, so I guess all I can say is thank you. 
Well, thank you. I had a wonderful time, Pat. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to share out there with the listening audience and tell all your listeners I love them, and I'll hope to see you sometime in person. <laughs> that would be lovely. Let's hope we can figure that out sometime. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you.